When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to what probably showed up in your feeds is coming soon, a Chicago baseball podcast that is still Cup of Cubby Blue, but no longer an SB Nation podcast. We are now proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, our new podcast partner that will not only bring you Cup of Cubby Blue like previous years, but also Sun Ranto and more content that Danny and I will be working on with our amazing friends, Allison Mitchell, who you probably know better as Infield Fly Girl, and Michael Cotton. So uh, lots of cool news and notes coming here. We're pretty stoked about it. And hopefully, if you were already subscribed, you are still, still subscribed to the new show. But if you aren't subscribed, give us a follow. Tell your friends. We're going to have a lot of great Cubs news updates and banter this year and cannot wait for the season to start. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about why the World Baseball Classic is one of the greatest possible baseball experiences ever and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How is it going, Danny? Oh, it's going great. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, watching like what you just mentioned, the World Baseball Classic. But I really am excited to hear from you about your personal experiences down in Florida. You're wearing, I'm, you know, you can't, this is a podcast, so you can't see what I'm seeing, but Sarah's got one of those green Mexico hats. And uh, I think you have a Mexico shirt on too. I'm not, or is that like a kiss me? I'm Irish shirt. Cause it's St. Patty's day. No, this is one of the Cubs like green shirts, like where they do like the Cubs logo on mm. green stuff type of thing. Um, so I, this is kind of my traditional St. Patrick's day get up. But yeah, yesterday, um, well, not, I, I was like, I, I have to wear my Mexico hat today. Mexico is playing Puerto Rico tonight in an event that will be must-see TV, and I am Mexican and Irish, so uh, repping Mexico, repping Ireland, feeling good, uh, repping the Cubs a little bit too. More excited about Mexico than the Cubs right now, to be honest, but we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, God, what was it like to be at the World Baseball Classic? Danny, do you remember a few years ago when you went to the islands and you watched the Caribbean World Series and you were blogging about it and just talking about how much fun it was to be down there watching Latino baseball and the way everything is celebrated and how excited everybody gets and all of that? It was that on steroids in a sold out Lone Depot park. And honest to God, the first game uh, we went to, which was the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, a huge upset for Venezuela. Like you could not have asked for a better baseball environment than Venezuela upsetting the juggernaut that is the Dominican Republic and all of their fans waving flags and cheering and playing musical instruments and everything else. We're seated next to Tristan Cassis's uncle. So if you're not a Red Sox fan, you might not know this. Tristan Cassis is the top prospect for the Boston Red Sox. He's probably going to open the season with them playing first base. And he's tell he's a season ticket holder for the Marlins, who usually pays like $8 a seat for his outfield seat at Lone Depot Park. And he's like pointing out to us all of the sections that are never open at Lone <laughs> Depot Park because the Marlins can't sell out their uh, their stadium. Sold out, buddy. Like the whole thing is sold out. Like the concourse is sold out. It's standing room only. Did, can uh, I ask a question? Did yeah, they yeah. Even, did they even have staff for, you know, the vendors or like, no, they. The lines have... were so slow. Oh, <laughs> Although, my God. I will say I think part of that is a Latino thing, too, because frankly, like every person would like not think about like their order before they got to the front. They'd be like, 
ah, how much is a beer? How much is two beers? Can you do a shot? And I'm like, how how does everybody keep doing this? But I, it's just a very like it's, that's the way we are. Like we like I, I don't I don't know if that particular behavior is just for one ethnicity because like <laughs> I've traveled the world and it seems like there's idiots that don't know what they want when they get up to the line everywhere I go. Budapest, Hungary, you know, I'm down in South America. Everybody's nobody can figure it out. The lines were long. There was a line to get into the team store before the game that was about. 30 minutes uh, where I got this hat. Um, there was a line uh, when I went to get um, my second drink of the game where they were selling the mango Bud Light seltzers. Thank you for selling the mango Bud Light seltzers. I wish the Ricketts would bring those back at Wrigley Field. Um, anyway, that's an aside. Uh, when I went to go get my mango Bud Light seltzer, um, that line looked just like it would be moving fast and, and it was not. Um, I got there in like the top, bottom of the fifth inning and I left in the top of the seventh, but the line was a party. Uh, we were all just kind of hanging out there. I, I was standing next to a dude from Venezuela. And one of the coolest experiences for me personally about this event was that everybody spoke to me in Spanish. My Spanish is terrible for the record. I'm not a native Spanish speaker. Most of my family is, but my brother and I are not. We grew up in Utah. And so it's always been one of those like embarrassing points of my childhood that like all of my cousins speak fluent Spanish and all of my aunts and uncles speak fluent Spanish. My dad speaks fluent Spanish and my brother and I just don't. Um, and so I'm sitting there in my like broken Spanish, like, oh, yo hablo un poquito. It was, you know, not, it was not my finest moment, but it was so fun being in a Latino baseball crowd and just having everybody be everybody 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 be everybody everybody was latino and everybody knew i was latina and it was amazing and it was fun and we were dancing in the stands it was great um i tell you and that's the experience i had when i saw games down at puerto rico too at iran bidhorn stadium was the instruments is really what gets me is like everybody shows up and what's cool is that i and i don't think they did it this way down in arizona I doubt they did. At least they understand in Miami what they're looking at and who's coming to this because they I, you tweeted out the instrument policy. And I brought it on the Sun Ranto show the other night. And we went through. I mean, they have instruments out here that as a musician, I've not heard of. <laughs> now, I looked up a few of them. and I'm like, oh, it's that we call it something else, you know, like, you know, like a, I call would call a matracas. I would call it a ratchet. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So um, anyway. It's like the list is long of instrument policy of, of what you can bring. You can't bring anything to Wrigley Field. Nothing. You have to sneak in if you want. Like maybe you could get a shaker in there or something, but you can't make much noise. But, you know, you can bring up in, uh, in a ton of actually noise making instruments into um into Lone Depot Park, which, by the way, I did see some tweets and people shaming them. It's it drives white people nuts, <laughs> and like they cannot freaking handle it. It's hysterical. I'm like, get with the program, dummies. But there's a bunch of um forbidden instruments, and I thought it was one funny thing that was on there was a kazoo, and I'm like, really? You're gonna you can't kazoos are not loud. I'm sorry. No, you can bring in bongos. You can bring in like the scrap, like the greater scratchers things. You can bring in like pretty much everything except air horns and vusa. Oh man, how do you say it? Vuelzas, yeah. Thank you. I I, I'm like the big, yeah. the big air horns that are that are Latino air horns. Um, so, but the- I jammed with these guys when I was down in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. and all I had was a jaw harp, but they loved it. You know, yeah, like yeah. They're, they're like between it is like do 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 and I'm just like it was constant. It was constant and it was beautiful. And like when we went to the Puerto Rican Venezuela game, honest to God, so we broke the escalators. <laughs> the escalators were not functioning because oh, yeah. there were so many people on them. But also because at the top of the concourse. There 
there were bands up there and they were, you know, playing their their cheers and their chants and everything. And so you just couldn't get through the bands because everybody, as soon as they got to the top of the escalator, was dancing to their seats instead of like walking to their seats. Beautiful. It was the most amazing, beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I cannot recommend it highly enough. 1010 would do again. And I I I've seen LCS games at Wrigley Field and Fenway Park. And this was as fun, if not more fun than either of those games. And I just, it was incredible. Yeah. And I, I mean, not just the World Baseball Classic, because you only have the opportunity for that once uh, every four years, right, is what they do. But, um, you know, go see games in Puerto Rico, go see games in the winter ball. If you can get down there and take a little vacay, Go to Dominican Republic and go see some games. You know, you get get somebody to bring you around to, to the stadiums and stuff like that because there's just and, and that's major league caliber baseball and as well. And a lot of these teams that you saw, you know, we you saw Javier Assad out there and he's a major leaguer, you know, and so he's pitching for Team Mexico. You you saw, I mean, well, you saw who? You you so saw I Mexico saw the who? Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And in okay. that game, I mean, honestly, God, the lineup is like Juan Soto, <laughs> like, All start. No, Ronald Acuna Jr., Jose Altuve, <laughs> like yeah. Teoscar Hernandez, Anthony Santander, David Peralta, like the whole lineup, Wander Franco, like the whole lineup, Rafael Devers, the whole lineup, the whole lineup is MLB caliber. But the pitching for Venezuela was sneaky, sneaky good. And I underestimated it. And I apologize. I owe Venezuela a huge apology because when I looked at their lineup, I was like, ah, The bats play, right? Like, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., you got your Jose Altuve. Like, the bats definitely play, but I was worried. Like, Salvador Perez is on that team. He's he's great, you know? Like, I was worried about their pitching. Martin Perez, Pablo Lopez, and Luis Garcia of the Astros absolutely shoved in this tournament. With a 65 pitch count limit, all of those dudes threw into the fourth inning or into the fifth inning and basically gave up, like, one run. Combined. Yeah. They, Shutting they, down the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, who are two major league teams. Well, they didn't lose. They didn't lose any games, did they? No. Nope. I mean, Venezuela, yes, um, Venezuela is here to make a statement. Yeah. And so that, it's pretty cool because I don't think anybody was really picking them. And uh, so I love an underdog. I, people ask me, you know, oh, you must you, you like it. So you're going to watch the Team USA game tonight. And I'm like, that's like the one game I'm not going to watch. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Although like, I will say when we so we were coming home from the Puerto Rico Venezuela upset when Venezuela beat Puerto Rico. And that was a fun game, man, because the Puerto Rican fans were fired up and they tried, they almost came back. Like after Pablo Lopez left the game, that was when you kind of got into the soft underbelly of the Venezuelan bullpen and and Puerto Rico had a shot at a comeback there was some excellent managing and excellent plays made to to keep that from happening but as we're coming home I get the alert on my phone that Mexico is leading the team USA and I go to my friend and I'm like oh we gotta go we gotta get home right now <laughs> go yeah, see this Mexico awesome. USA game and frankly I had as much fun watching that online as I did watching the game at the park because the Mexican fans in Phoenix had the same vibes that the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rican, and Venezuelan fans had in Miami. It was loud. They were screaming. Joey Manessas had a home run, and they're chanting MVP for Joey Manessas. <laughs> and the chant is louder than the five American dudes who are trying to get the same chant going for Mike Trout the next inning, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> look, we all know that Joey Manessas is not Mike Trout, and also Mexico showed up. 
Yeah, I mean, no, the the vibes have been so electric watching these games. And I'll say this much, too. We haven't even talked about the games that were played in the Far East because those crowds were electric. It was something like half of Japan tuned in. I saw 62 the- million people. Yes. More to- people than have ever turned tuned into a World Series game. Yeah, oh, by far. And so, you know, the Americans that are being so ethnocentric with this, like MLB's, MLB's got, uh, I guess, the the monopoly on great baseball. Like, I can see a future with the when the money starts because great players are going to go wherever they get paid the most. So if you can get 62 million people to tune in to Shohei Otani in Japan, why the hell is Shohei Otani messing, at, messing around in California when he's the he's can make more money in Japan? It's not like those people are broke that they can't pay him as much to stay there. So like MLB has been the pinnacle, but like, you know, the way we're trying to get fans into it is like by increasing box box and putting a clock on a pitch, you know, and you're like that. I'm like, what are we looking at here? I'm like, try musical instruments and awesome players. How about that? How about backflips? Full disclosure, I'm working on this piece right now, but uh, I MLB does not need bigger bases and a pitch clock. MLB needs to expand to San Juan and Mexico City. Yeah. Expand to Puerto Rico and Mexico City and grow the game because that energy will be infectious, right? Like that energy will, you cannot be the lame American team <laughs> when you got people out there flipping bats and playing their horns and like, honest to God, like, there's videos of these in both of the pieces. I did the game recaps that for the two games I was at. You can see the fans coming up and down the escalators. Just they're dancing. They're swaying. They've got their drums out. It's an amazing environment. And I, I dare you to be all like, play the game the right way in that environment. Like I just, I like try. <laughs> they don't let you do. I mean, you got it. The, be- the best you could get at Wrigley is YMCA. And that's like, that's all you're doing, you know? Yeah, and uh, I don't know what what else do we do? I and they, they do, and then they do the sprinkler dance. You know, oh yeah, young men, you know. And, then, <laughs> and I guess we all sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" together, and go Cubs, go! I mean, and and that's even a lot. Most American teams, you just get "Let's go," whatever team it is, "Let's go," whatever, and then clap, 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 or everybody clap your hands, clap, clap, clap. You know, which I didn't. I think they're cutting a lot of that too now because of the fast games. There's no time for everybody clap your hands. Thank God. How dare we have fun? Yeah, there's no time for fun now. Play the game. We're trying to get out of here in two hours and thirty-seven minutes. Don't you know I'm paying a babysitter? Um, Um, you know, there we should. We would be remiss if we did not talk about the one piece of terrible news that came out of the World Baseball Classic. And I want to do a deep dive on this one a little bit. So Edwin Diaz, while celebrating, striking out the side in the ninth inning in an absolutely electric Puerto Rican-Dominican Republic game that that rivaled Game 7 of the 2016 World Series for me, just watching it and watching how excited everybody was. Um, Jumping up and down with his teammates, total fluke of an accident, tears his patellar tendon, is out for six to eight months, which is probably the vast majority of the season, unless he pulls a Kyle Schwarber and makes a comeback. And, you know, I'm not not saying it's impossible, but probably unlikely. Obviously, a terrible accident. Obviously, a huge loss for the Mets. Definitely not the fault of the World Baseball Classic and definitely not a reason that anyone should be criticizing Edwin Diaz. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's the same old clowns out there criticizing it, and they make their kind of they make their bones off of 
controversial takes the the people that really you know it's the bars the barf stool guys it's keith oberman you know it's just like you know just and, and he's always just been a loud mouth you know with without a, a and i've been on his side for a lot of you know the sides he takes but for the most part he's just a loud mouth like the rest of them a pundit and so i you know i'm sad to see that get them get any publicity at all for it but I, it's actually a pretty common thought process you know it's like we need that guy for the season and now the Mets are screwed and I'm like and that might be true they might have gotten screwed but he Jose Quintana cut his hand on a glass and he was out for the season pretty much I mean did we ever see him again I don't think I don't think we did after the glass yeah I I think maybe like one time or like out of the bullpen or something yeah that was 2020 so uh yeah and then you had like the Sammy Sosa sneeze you've got Debster going over a fence like Fluke accidents happen to blame an exciting tournament. Now, not a lot of people are excited about it, too. Like, not everybody feels the passion that we're feeling watching these games and are really enjoying it. And I have to question if you like baseball, if you don't like this tournament, you know, like, are you what are you a fan of specifically? I Maybe you can just be a cup fan and you don't care about these other <laughs> teams. I, I mean, I kind of could be that way. I don't like any other sports or anything, you know, so. Uh, you're just a cub centric person that could be very well be true but uh, you know it's like when when you blame and it's just a tournament and everybody now bring your guys home and we already have some of that too because the insurance companies are telling you who can play and 65 pitches and stuff like that and so it's frustrating i get it and if a cub goes down and this i mean say a suzuki got injured before it but what if it happened during it what would you be crying about it like now our season is sunk yeah i mean i have i have very little patience for this and i consider it pretty bad behavior like i understand the mets fans who are like oh this hurts us we miss we miss edwin diaz this is terrible 100 percent agree that's how i felt when say i had an oblique injury I'm sure that's how Dodgers fans felt when Gavin Lux tore his ACL running into third base in a meaningless spring training exhibition game, uh, and he will miss the entire season too. What I have zero patience for, and it was pretty well represented on Twitter, unfortunately, our, our, our friend Shakia Taylor over at the Chicago Tribune has a nice thread on this today, are the takes that are like, Mets fans are paying your salary, you shouldn't even be there. Because let me tell you something, paying a player for them to pay play paying oh my gosh gosh this playing pay thing paying a player for them to play for your team because they are an exceptionally talented human being does not mean you own every decision that that human being gets to make and they absolutely get to prioritize representing their country in a world baseball classic tournament that everybody clearly cares about a lot and has a ton of pride for i i find it utterly appalling That people think that the fact that Steve Cohen pays hundreds of millions of dollars for someone's talents means they no longer get the autonomy to make decisions to do things on their own. And frankly, sounds a little bit like you're leaning into some colonialization vibes. And I think you should check yourself. Yeah, well, apply it to your own life. Even if, you know, if if like the, the the people that I worked for just said, Hey, I give you this much money so you can stay alive. So now you, I'm I'm not allowed to write any more Cubs parodies because you write parodies for us. You know, that is the equivalent of it. Now, I, I'm not going to injure myself writing a parody, although I might injure myself after somebody hears the parody when somebody throws something at me. But that's a different story. Um, but, you know, you're right. You don't own anything. You don't. And, and if you want that in 
our capitalistic society where the own our, we our ownership society that we we espouse to love the if you want that you can put that in the contract and he can choose whether to sign it or not and guess what it's not in the contract so you know whatever it you know there are people like who is the other guy for the Mets that fell off the horse. Oh, um, Johannes Cespedes. Yeah, and then it was kind of in his contract that he wasn't supposed to be riding horse, right? Or something like that. I don't know what it is. But if you want that, like, you're not allowed to do, the, you're not allowed to surf, you're not allowed to ski, you're not allowed to ride a horse, I'm protecting my investment. So you're like, okay, these are re- reasonable requests. You know, maybe playing baseball. Maybe Edwin Diaz would have signed a contract. It's like, I will only play for the Mets. I'm not playing winter ball. I'm not playing this other stuff. There's another thing. Winter ball. You want to cancel winter ball? Because... Canario hurt his hurt his leg and his shoulder on the same play. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, and it sounds like because there are insurance policies associated with injuries in the WBC, the Mets are actually not going to pay Edwin Diaz uh, his his salary for the season. Which, frankly, like I that man better get paid. Like I don't know if he's getting paid out of an insurance fund or what, but baseball has guaranteed contracts, and under no circumstances. Should a freak injury because it happened at the WBC void one of those contracts? I think I, I was looking at this in a tweet that Will Salmon sent out earlier today and referencing an article in The Athletic, and I don't have a great handle on it yet. I've got to do some more research on it. But it sounds like all of these people who are so very worried about Steve Cohen's $18 million as a reminder, the dude owns like, has like $17 billion and like we should not worry about billionaires and their and their checkbooks. But um. I, I think Steve Cohen's going to be fine, Mets fans. You can rest assured that Steve Cohen is going to be just fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm more worried about Edwin Diaz, for whom that is life-changing money, and he earned every penny of that contract, and he should get all of it. Yeah, I don't know what the contract says and stuff. I mean, and, you know, as I said, if if now these contracts are are actually being structured differently than they used to be, too, um, where they there have always been performance incentives baked into contracts and but we're we're seeing some other kind of like slicing it up like back ends front ends like you know both of it depending on what is uh, whatever like chess game you're trying to play and also I mean what gets me is like teams that like the Padres and the Mets that are just willing to spend I mean hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on, you know, just one team and then into the future, what do they know that the other teams don't know about the future of money? Like, are we just going to face like hyperinflation and, and, you know, a million dollars will be like a penny. Like, I don't know. Like, what are we looking at here? What do the, what do the Coens of the world know? And whoever owns the Padres know that, uh, that we don't, cause I'm scared of it. I'm scared of that future or they're well, just actually quite profitable and can afford it. I, I believe it's the latter. I believe they are quite profitable and can't afford it. I also think that there's probably something to be said for like, I don't know, whatever $25 million you're paying for age 42, you Darvish, like, yeah, maybe age 42, you Darvish makes that money. And maybe it's just sitting on your books, sort of like the Cubs are paying Jason Hayward right now to get rehabbed by the Dodgers. Like I, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those situations where that happens all the time. And whether it happens in a player's 33 year old season or happens in their 42 year old season, you have a championship window now. So you might as well take advantage of it. At least that's what I think the Padres are doing in the Mets case. I think Steve Cohen is so rich. He honestly just doesn't care about the luxury tax and that's going to have repercussions all its own for baseball. And I am here for it because I don't care 
about billionaires paying extra for me to watch better baseball. I never will. I never have. Meanwhile, the Cubs are like the Leo DiCaprio of of baseball teams and, <laughs> and, and just keep getting at new players that are just the same age, all young. Yeah, let's uh, let's move to the Chicago Cubs. But first, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we are going to talk about some spring training uh, standouts or not standouts, as the case may be. We're going to talk about some tough roster decisions facing the Chicago Cubs as they look to set their 26-man roster heading into opening day, which is less than two weeks away from today. But first, a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back. Uh, the Chicago Cubs threw a no-hitter, uh, another combination no-hitter, and then they went on kind of a winning streak. But Danny, and look, I, I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say with, I know spring training numbers don't mean anything. They Players are trying out new stuff. Pitchers are trying out new stuff. There are a handful of numbers that can be sort of sticky, things like strikeout rate or things like walk rate or chase rate. But like most stats, most slash lines do not matter for spring training. And that said, there are some things I'm worried about here, Danny. What are you seeing with the Cubs in spring training? Well, I mean, we knew that the the Cubs were going to have trouble scoring runs this year, that they were going to be a run prevention team. And, uh, you know, the defense obviously improved, but those glove first guys, they don't often carry the biggest sticks a lot. Um, yeah, it's been rough for uh, some of the new signings, uh, Dansby Swanson specifically, who I think has one hit like in all of spring training. Does he have two yet? I I don't think he does. His slash line is currently, he's batting 0.45. His on-base percentage is 250, and his slugging is 0.45. <laughs> okay, so he's got some walks in there. So And and it was a single, obviously. So To be clear, I don't think Dansby Swanson's going to bat 0.45. That's why I had the massive like spring training small sample size caveat at the top. But well, like, yeah, it has not exactly been inspiring. I've, I've heard the slow starters, like people saying, oh, he's a slow starter. Okay, well, that's pretty damn slow. And but I can't imagine what he'd be working on at this point. You know, it's like it doesn't make it. Maybe he's like, I'm only going to swing at curveballs, or I, you know, I know they do that from time to time. But it's got to be frustrating at some point. Like these, they are competitive people who you know are trying to play the game. Like, I mean, the guy might forget how to run the bases. He doesn't. He hasn't been out there. He doesn't even know he's going to get out there and be like, oh my god, these bases are gi- ginormous. I've never seen so, a base so big. <laughs> it's very confusing. Very confusing. Yeah, um, I'm kidding. I'm obviously touches the base all the time as a shortstop, but that's the only time he's seeing second base all year. So, um, so far. And then uh, Bellinger, I mean, he had a home run the other day, so that was good, but he also, you know, kind of proving that. Yeah. He's got, he's got the second best slash line of the, of the new guys that I want to talk about here. It is, it is a, it is a, impressive 192 250 356 but at least I don't have to do like the zero thing there so that that's kind of good um the home run was nice the home run was was a nice piece of hitting and it looked like he got all of that baseball I don't know if that ball goes out if he's not in the desert though like I think that that might have been an Arizona aided Sloan Park aided home run 
Yeah, they don't hit a lot right there at Wrigley Field. I'll tell you that much. Till like right center, no. it's not really common. That's not where that's not where you see the ball hawks hanging out. <laughs> Let me tell the power you stroke much. area. Um, let's go through a couple more of the new guys. Uh, Tucker Barnhart, the guy who uh, is there to replace Jan Gomes, who is replacing Wilson Contreras, batting 063, 0-59, 0-63. I'm not entirely sure how you have an on-base percentage lower than your batting average, but Tucker Barnhart has managed to do that through spring training so far. Congrats. Huh, that is interesting. <laughs> probably like an error or something, probably like a like a sack fly or something like that, but I, I, that's, yeah. that's kind of an impressive feat, and I laughed about it. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, meanwhile, uh, do you want to know what Wilson Contreras is batting? Uh, he's he's struggling, man. I, I do know, but tell tell the fans. He's actually okay now. I oh, mean, he was struggling. Yeah, I, he, he did start slow. I remember that because I made fun of it a couple weeks ago. Boo. But now he's at 318, 375, and 375 OBP. His OPS is 784. Oh, nice. So, okay. Good job, it's, Wilson. It's decent. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Did I tell you I'm going to get to see Wilson Contreras play in April? In St. Louis or? No. So I have a, or not in April, I'm sorry, in June. I have a work trip in June uh, and we are going to a Nationals Cardinals game as like part of the bonding experience for this whole thing. And I was like, oh yes, well, look at that. I just get to go see Wilson Contreras play in in DC. Oh, well, now what are you going to do though? You going to cheer him as a Cardinal? I'm going to wear a Wilson Contreras shirt and cheer for Wilson Contreras. Cub shirt? I'm going to wear probably an obvious shirt. I have one that says play like Wilson Contreras today that I really like. I also have a Contreras Tobias to dugout shirt. That's like the CTA branding logo from the 2017 campaign that the Cubs sent me. Thank you for that uh, at Cubs. That's honestly one of my favorite shirts ever. Um, I've got two Wilson Contreras jerseys. I don't know. It'll be a game time decision. I might wear a Cubs (laughs) Wilson Contreras jersey to this game. I might just like go the slyer route with the obvious shirt, but I will be cheering and repping Wilson Contreras. I really hope that you get, you get searched. um, Your luggage gets searched at the airport and all you have is Wilson Contreras jerseys. And like the TSA person's (laughs) like, um, lady, like, do you need some help? Like, do I, like, do I need to call Wilson Contreras and get some restraining orders? Like you're flying across the country with nothing but Wilson Contreras clothes. Yeah, I would. Unfortunately, it's a business trip. So I'm going to have to do more than just cheer for Wilson Contreras. Um, The guy who is uh, not a terrible slash line here, but he really loves him some ground balls is Eric Hosmer, who's batting 231, 259. 264 uh, as of today. And I mean, I don't really know what to tell y'all, but it's it's just, it's, it's Eric Hosmer. He's slightly better than league average and he is still uninspired. Yeah. I don't think they sign him if they had man, if they knew they had Mancini in their pocket. And um, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, it costs you nothing. And that is, I mean, not nothing is five, $600,000 or whatever that they're paying him to be on the team. But, you know, apparently that's uh, they, a lot of people consider him expendable and on this team too, especially, I know we're going to talk like, you know, some of the roster decisions. It's a little, uh, it's kind of a shame when you don't necessarily need an Eric Hosmer on your team that he would just be taking a roster spot because you heard of him, you know, and, uh, he's not really adding much to the situation. I mean, he's maybe a leader in the clubhouse, Danny of what <laughs> a leader, you know, a, a leader of what a bunch of three, one losses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we got a pitching staff that will probably limit. I mean, these games at Wrigley, especially in the colds, they're going to be an hour and a half long because 
you know, between our pretty damn good pitching staff and defense getting some outs and our complete lack of hitting, like, it, especially in the colds, like, I am i don't foresee, like, I don't even know any reason to buy a ticket to anything. Like, <laughs> you know, by the time you get down there, it'll be over, you know? Um, yeah, let's talk about some of these roster decisions. I think the one that jumps out to me right now, Tim Hugh, who does some writing at Bleed Cubby Blue and a great Twitter follow, if you don't follow him, was sort of guessing what the Cubs might do with their pitching staff. And um, we kind of got, we kind of went into it back and forth a little bit because he thinks Keegan Thompson makes this uh, bullpen a, and Mark Leiter makes this bullpen ahead of, ahead of Javier Assad, who, look, I don't know, man. I don't know how you keep Javier Assad off your major league roster when the man threw three scoreless one hit innings against the team USA world baseball classic lineup that included like Mike Trout, Trey Turner. I, I, how do you keep that man in Iowa? You can't do that to Javier Assad. Can you? Well, it depends if they want to win or not. I, I mean, it, do you want, cause Javier Assad wasn't really on anybody's prospect list and then they needed him last year. Cause they were just, they and he played, was great. yeah, it was great. And they, but they played shorthanded. I mean, that was a shorthanded team. Like they just didn't, you know, this they did not consider Javier Assad to be a major league caliber player and for him to perform that way, you know, and that happens sometimes in baseball, but it is not common. But Javier Assad is obviously proving that he can and he was throwing faster in the WBC because he's been working on a, a velocity program. Now he's hitting like 97. Yeah, so, no, he looked really, really sharp in that game against team USA. And like, I don't know, he, you have Javier Assad for three innings out of the bullpen. I want that more than I want to see Mark Leiter or Keegan Thompson. Well, and I know there's like some complications with Leiter and options and you could lose him and yada, yada. And so fine option Keegan Thompson instead, but well, I it's more like, can you imagine you know, a piggyback of like Drew Smiley and Javier Assad for six innings? That's, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. A piggyback of that would work because I don't think Drew Smiley is going to give you all that much. You know, I, you know, maybe he's a hundred inning guy, uh, You've got um, uh, Tyone to apparently eat innings, but you know, eating innings isn't what it's all about. I mean, it definitely helps, but you got to be good too. Otherwise you're going to lose those games as the guy's just out there losing. But um, the other one I want to talk about too is like, I don't know. Do, do you, do you consider them bullpen pieces? I mean, I don't consider an Asada bullpen piece. I consider him a starter. So maybe you want to keep him at Iowa and be like, just keep being a starter because these things have a way of working themselves out. There are going to be injuries this year. There always are. And there's, I mean, that's why you needed a Mike Montgomery to get you through 2016 and, and be a, and you need always need a spot starter. And when that guy coming up, is somebody of the caliber of a Wisniewski or the caliber of an Assad or the caliber of like, now we're seeing good things out of Killian now uh, who's fixed some issues he's had. But even if you are piggybacking those starts and only giving those guys three, four innings, that's, that's helpful to stretch things out. So you're not looking at like, you know, every day you're looking at a because then you got Alzali can give you two. Then you've got um, Lighter that can give you two. Like you're stretching that bullpen out that if you, you might not need a back end if you can just kind of like half and half and then a guy, half and half and then a guy. And, and, and that's how you run the back end. I don't know that they have enough positions on the team to do it. You know, they're going to carry what, 13, 13 pitchers? Yeah, I think they'll carry 13. You know, it's funny that you bring out the like, oh, you could just do like three, four innings here and three innings here. And then you have a guy like 
God, that's a dream for the front office in terms of keeping players costs low too, because they can look at the starters and be like, well, you only threw 130 innings last year, so we're not going to give you a ton of money in arbitration because you only threw 130 innings. And you look at the bullpen, you're like, well, you weren't a starter, so you know you only threw like 90 innings, so we're gonna we're gonna pay you less. I mean, that's a nice way to lengthen the game and keep your costs low. I'm sure somebody. Uh, over at 1060 West Addison is is working on that math right now. It's a great point. No, it's a great point. And then you got to uh, you can't really count on it yet because you don't know what's going to happen. But uh, when you you could slot Hendo into this conversation eventually. And, yeah, yeah. And so and that changes everything, especially if he comes back strong. You know, and Kyle Hendricks, we all know how smart he is. He's the professor. You know, I think that when he does come back, he will be Kyle Hendricks again. I really I do believe that. I don't think he's going to come back and not be able to be that guy. So I don't see him coming back and being totally on the shelf. Uh, you know, still like, I don't know, not on the shelf, but like um, ineffective, like he was towards the end. Like, I don't think he's going to come back until he knows his mechanics are back. But it's not a bad rotation if you look at it from the standpoint of start. It just doesn't have that ace up front. You know, you unless – doesn't really Marcus. have a number two guy either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marcus Stroman, I guess, could be considered that. But, you know, he's a pitch-to-contact guy, and aces are usually just strikeout kings, you know. Maybe Justin Steele can become that guy, but, you know, he's still too young. We don't know. I, I love what I see out of Hayden Wisniewski, but I don't know that the Cubs are even going to let him play. Just probably because. How could Hayden Wisniewski or... not make this team? I don't understand. Same reason Chris Bryant didn't make the team. That <laughs> would know? be... But he's already his clock's already started. He yeah, played last started. season. Yeah, like, there's true, yeah. no reason to keep Hayden Wisniewski out of the starting rotation. All he's done is he's been outstanding, right? Well, what's the what's the uh, situation with um, uh, uh, what's it? What's his name? Um, God, uh, not lighter. Um, the guy who keeps giving up eight home runs already. Are you talking about Adrian Sampson? Yeah, Adrian Sampson. Like, what's the deal with his uh, – I mean, I know he's also up for the fifth starter right now. So – but I don't think you can put him out there. But what's his option situation? Like, are the Cubs like, oh, we don't want to lose Adrian Sampson when we can just throw Wisniewski in the minors because we're not ready to win yet. So, like, I'm just wondering if they're considering this – a team that they're like, well, let's just wait on this, wait on that. Let's see what we got. And then later in the year, maybe we'll know. Like, I don't know if they're looking to throw a team out there. I mean, I just don't know what, what it's going to look like. Are they going to go, for example, with Nick Madrigal as your starting third baseman? Well, we're going to talk about the Madrigal, Master Brony, morale situation in just a second. It's interesting that you bring up Samson because I remember a game note um, from, oh, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, it was before I went to Miami, where I think Boog Shiambi said that uh, the Cubs told Adrian Sampson at the end of last year, like, no, we're bringing you back. Like, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to be back with the Cubs next year so that he could just, like, work uh, on being a good pitcher over the offseason. And that they thought that that would sort of, like, make things easier or calmer for him. And I, I don't know if it just hasn't had that effect or maybe spring training he's trying some stuff out or what, but... He, he is the guy who I'm sort of like, ooh, I think you have to start him in Iowa after what you've seen. Well, um, and his peripheral so stunk. 
Yeah. His peripherals in the Babip situation, that that already stunk. So, like, we already kind of knew that. I mean, people were looking at me like, man, this is either the luckiest pitcher in the world or he's doing something that, like, nobody understands that's somehow effective. That Because all the metrics people are looking at me like, I don't know, like, this guy's getting hit hard, but it's working out somehow. And then, um, and then uh, now we're kind of seeing it because I saw somebody, I forget when this was, but somebody tweeted out like his home run rates from his other teams. And no, I haven't looked at this. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to find it. Uh, I, I have it here somewhere. Um, but it, it was, it was ridiculous. Like he was, his, the home run run rates were like double. Like, oh, here it is. I found it. It's from Cubs prospects, Brian Smith. Oh yeah. I see it. Yeah. He said, uh, 2022, um, here is his home runs to what's FB fastball, fly ball, fly ball. Yeah. Home run to fly ball rates. Yeah. Last, last four years, 2022, 7.7 home run to fly ball rates, 2020, uh, and AAA, it was 17 in 2021 in MLB. It was 21. In 2021, in AAA, it was 18. In the KBO, it was 17. In 2019, it was 17. And there's one outlier, and it's 2022. And so then they're like, Cubs are like, yeah, let's bring him back. And then now we're just seeing it again. But, like, it's off the charts. Eight home runs he's given up. Yeah. No, they're that looks... 351 off of him. Well, I wonder... So I wonder, one of I the things that I... I wonder about a lot with um, that I think is a wild card variable for the 2023 season is what the baseball will be like. Like, do we get the dead ball? Do we get the jumpy ball? Do we get the Goldilocks ball that Meredith Wills and Bradford Williams Davis identified uh, with their research last year? That was like the, if you didn't read that article in baseball or in business insider, it was basically a slightly livelier ball that was somewhere in between the two balls that they found was used at all the commemorative games. Right. So like the field of dreams games and, um, and also in Yankee Stadium for some reason. <laughs> not even I can't be I can't be a conspiracy theorist about these types of things. Like I just cannot. Um, so I suppose there's a possibility that the ball is a little bit different and that that is the difference between Adrian Sampson being a guy who gets a lot of fly ball outs and a guy who gets a lot of home who gives up a lot of home runs. And if the ball changes back even slightly, I would imagine that that's something that could impact Adrian Sampson a lot. I actually that's one of my operating assumptions for part of what happened with Kyle Hendricks, who I think is such a control artist that even tiny deviations with the literal baseball can impact him a ton. And that he, what happened with him, I mean, you remember those games on like Sunday night baseball and whatnot, he'd give up like three or four home runs in the first inning. It was, those were outs before, right? Like he, it was literally just like the teeniest difference of people seeing his pitches slightly better and, and just mashing them for home runs. Yeah, no, he. I think he led the league for a while and giving up homers, and uh, it was like, what is happening here? And then we found out he was kind of pitching hurt too. So all of that, you know, came together to ruin him for the moment. But so yeah, the the back end of this this rotation um, is kind of interesting, and I think you know it's it's a puzzle piece that Ross is going to put have to put together because I. I don't think you're going to get a heck of, and I, they shouldn't either. I don't think you're going to, if they go with like a Wisniewski, I don't think they'll go with Killian or something like that yet. I don't For think sure. he's proven yet, but if they do go with Wesneski, you know, he's probably on a short leash, I would guess, you know, and maybe he doesn't need to be, but 
they remember they used to take out Kyle Hendricks out of the game all the time. Like Joe Madden be like, all right, you're for it's after the fourth inning, you're out of here, Kyle Hendricks. You could when he was young. Yeah. And 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 everybody be like, why do they keep removing Kyle Hendricks? In fact, like 2016 World Series game seven, I'm like, why did you get rid of you know? But uh so he kept doing it, you know, that kept happening. So I could see a situation like that where Ross is real careful with some of the young guys' innings. You know, Justin Steele, I think you still got to be somewhat careful with. So it depends on what you get out of that. What they're what are they expecting out of these guys? Are you going to protect these arms or are you going to ride them? And I think if you're trying to win, you ride arms, you know. But if you're not trying to win, you're going to be everything will be by the books. You're you're going 80 pitches, you're going 60 pitches, you know, everybody's on their program and you know, you can't you can't run I mean, I think it was some of the the disconnect between Joe Madden and the front office because Joe Madden was like, no, I'm doing what I want to do as the manager of this team and uh, knowing these guys and knowing what can win baseball games. Whereas, um, you know, maybe the front office is like, why did you pitch him two days in a row? Which that was the Brandon Morrow thing. (laughs) He got hurt putting on pants, people. So (laughs) yeah, there's another one. There's another one. The pants. Uh, Let's talk about another uh, tough roster decision facing the Chicago Cubs. This one has a lot of guys on it. So, you know, the Cubs went out and they they signed up a bunch of like quad A, like maybe this guy can work out, maybe he cannot. And they already had a couple of those guys on the roster coming in to the 2023 spring training campaign. Who do you think is going to make the team out of the following? There are definitely not enough roster spots for all of these guys. You've got Christopher Morrell, Zach McKinstry, uh, Michael Taupman, I can't remember his first name. Taupman, yeah, Mike, guy's name is Mike Michael Taupman. Edwin Rios, David Bodie, Nick Madrigal, and Miles Mastrobroni. Um, I'm just going to start w- start us with as much as I love Christopher Morrell, I believe in the tools, and I think that he is going to be an effective and amazing Major League Baseball player. I think he's been exposed a little bit at the MLB level. He jumped straight from Double A last year, and and it's pretty clear in him really not having a great approach on breaking and off speed stuff right now. I think Christopher Morrell needs to go to Iowa to get some everyday at bats to improve his success rate against breaking and off speed stuff. Cause right now he is striking out 50% of the time, which is definitely not sustainable. And um, I, I think that Christopher Morrell is one of the odd men out here. What do you think, Danny? Yeah. And I'm disappointed with it. Cause I was hoping he was going to come out and have a monster spring and, and, uh, and they're giving him a look, he's got more at bats than just about anybody. So uh, he's um yeah, but he's striking out half the time. That's just you, when you're doing that, you're you become unplayable. And then you, when especially when you've got other guys like, I mean, Edwin Rios has uh, he hasn't hit. I mean, Zach McKinstry hasn't hit. The only guy, and now here's the thing for that third base kind of uh, utility guy, the only guy that's hit is David Bodie, and you know he's not on the forty man. We're really and, gonna and do this again. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying he's the if if if. If spring training is a trout and it is not, you know, it just isn't. That's not how they're treating it. They're just, I mean, it is a little bit, I guess, but it does. I think the numbers are less important than what they're seeing. Like the, some of the more of the metrics of how you're approaching everything. Um, Yeah. And just for the record, uh, David Bodie across 21 uh, at bat so far is slashing 429, 556, 762. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll throw another one who's having a great spring too, Sergio Alcantara. So he's slashing three fifty three, three fifty three, um, and four twelve. So I mean, he he just has like a double, but either way, he's getting on base. Like, and if you're looking for a bench, I mean, we're talking about a bench guy. 
come off the bench. And I guess that would be maybe a Nick Madrigal, except for he's not hitting either. Well, and the guy who is hitting here, who and the Cubs could use an outfielder as long as Seiya Suzuki is not on the field, although we did get news that Seiya Suzuki, who is recovering from an oblique injury that kept him out of the World Baseball Classic, is taking dry swings, so he's progressing, which is good news. Mike Taupman is slashing 304, 429, 522, and the Cubs need an out, need a backup outfielder, right? So it's kind of like, I think Mike Taupman has a pretty decent shot to be that guy early. Yeah, well, especially with Seiya uh, not probably starting on opening day. And I'm actually looking at it. Nick Madrigal started slow, but it's all kind of empty at empty batting average stats. You know, it's like his OBP and his average are pretty much the same, but he's batting 296, 654 OPS. Nobody's expecting Nick Madrigal to give you any home runs, but they're definitely getting, giving him a lot of looks too. He's played in 10 games, 27 ABs. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Tuckman's got to make the team because I think he's going to be your starting right fielder, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Not yeah. what any of us were looking for. Um, let's talk about this Cubs closer situation oh, for a second. Uh, we finally got some clarity here. I don't remember if it was Sahadev Sharma or PJ Mooney. I just remember that it was in The Athletic, so I apologize for not giving credit to the precise author. But um, it seems like the Cubs are looking at Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer as their options to close starting out. The season, uh, most of the people I'm talking to think that Boxberger has a slight inside edge there, but honestly, I think either one of those dudes could wind up doing it. What are you thinking with this closer situation? Obviously, Alzali, Hughes, Merriweather, some other guys, Estrada, could could make that a difficult option for David Ross if they come out like you know if they come out and they're just lights out. But it sounds like it's Boxberger and, and or Fulmer's job to lose. Yeah, and Merriweather, too. I mean, he's dialing up at 97, but has always had control issues. And so, I mean, once again, I, I really see this as, like, there's not going to be one closer. I, I, I just think they're going to just do matchups. Like, if if the tough part of the game seems to be in the seventh, I think you might use, you know, your best arm in that moment there I really think that I mean this the who was the closer last year <laughs> you know I like think the it, guy who wound up with the most saves that's a good question actually I'm gonna look this up before I, mean, I we didn't thought have, it was Hughes basically or, we didn't or have Robertson it. maybe you know I mean David Robertson was it but he didn't always yeah he led, led the team in saves then you had Rowan Wick now would you consider him the closer at all last year Hughes I wouldn't consider him the closer Manrod I would consider him one of the candidates for being a kind of closer but just kind of didn't work out with them too much for being but, a kind of closer i like that yeah i mean it's it was closer but there's a lot of guys with saves uh, wellman's got a keegan thompson gesellman remember he was on the team I totally no. forgot robert Gesellman yeah, was on exactly the scott efros had a it had a save before he went to the yankees um michael givens remember him I do. Michael Gibbons uh, signed with the Orioles again, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because with the Orioles' new park dimensions, Michael Gibbons might be a much better pitcher at Camden Park. I mean, they've been good with the bullpen. The Cubs, that's the one thing they've really been managing well the last few years, even in these these kind of darker times, you know, that when it's just they're finding these reclamation arms so that they can trade them in the middle of the season and – get more prospects, but um, yeah, I, I just see it by committee. 
Who do you think? I think it's probably Boxberger followed by Fulmer. Um, and I think that I'm really curious to see what Alzali looks like out of the pen. I think that he has the potential to be that guy, but I don't think they're going to put him in that situation to start. I think he's going to have to earn it a little bit. Um, I think that David Ross really likes Brandon Hughes when there's a bunch of lefties coming up and, and we'll see Brandon Hughes in that role when there's lefty, it's like a lefty centric ninth. Um, but I kind of agree with you. I think that uh, David Ross will settle on a guy eventually, but I don't think he's going to settle on anyone until mid to late April. I just wanted to bring it up because it seemed like sources in and around the Cubs are thinking it's Foxberger or Fulmer. So if people are wondering who's going to close for the Chicago Cubs, that's that's what sources in and around the Cubs have said. Well, they definitely have <laughs> just they've got more experience, those guys. So that I think that's why they would maybe be considered for that job a, a little bit more. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that the Cubs kind of lack out of the bullpen too, is uh, uh, lefties. <laughs> so they, they Brandon won. Hughes, yeah, they've won. Yeah. And so now they might have some reverse splits guys, um, which is fine. If it plays the same, if it really does play that way, then fine, because you're going to, you face a lot of, lefty power and <laughs> you want somebody to neutralize that you just yeah. need, you just need it throughout the season like not every team's gonna throw like the best lefties at you but some teams really do like wait till you get go play the Yankees and tell me you know that you want to face that your only guy to face Anthony Rizzo in a tie game in the ninth is Brandon Hughes you know that and he's already been burnt well good luck to Godspeed to all because we're not winning this baseball game uh yeah no i am with you it's gonna be wild to find out we're less than two weeks away from opening day you are listening to the first episode of cup of cubby blue on our on our new home fans first sports network and we're pretty excited to be here please forgive us for any technical difficulties that may occur as we transition um the the podcast i i think everything should be relatively smooth we've been assured that it will be but honestly like we've never done anything like this before so be be patient with us if if you find yourself unsubscribed from the podcast please resubscribe we'll we'll make sure we talk you through it and uh danny i just want to give uh, finish out this show by giving people an idea of what they can expect from us as the season goes on i know that you and i and allison and uh michael cotton are all really excited to bring you even more amazing cubs content here and frankly danny was the mastermind behind this idea so i want to let him talk people through it a bit well there's a million cubs podcasts and i'm on all of them no i'm kidding <laughs> but it was it's it was time for like us to team up and get some consolidation going with because everybody's just has their podcast and you know i think there's different ways that people want to consume uh cubs media and talking about it so I just felt like, you know, between the Sun Ranto show and doing Cup of Cubby Blue and also like some other ideas for shows that we have where they're more kind of like specialized, like a bullpen arm, and, you know, that then it's, um, you know, like Michael Cotton, uh, my partner at Sun Ranto, like he's got a, a show called The Baseball Rabbit Hole, which is, is you know, he just goes down a baseball rabbit hole and takes it where he goes. And it's a great baseball podcast, but that'll be through the feed. Um, you know, I've been doing something just this spring training to see if I enjoyed doing it and just releasing it to Sun Ranto's Patreon subscribers, but doing something called Cubs Pod, which is just what happened in the game yesterday, what's happening today. Every day, seven minutes long, digestible thing. This, this is something, you know, is all part of a network that we could do together and help each other out and just kind of strengthen numbers ideas. So that's what we're, what we're doing. So we're taking all of our resources and we're pooling them through one f podcast feed 
And then um, it'll just be there for you when you need it on your long, cold, lonely nights at sea. Constant Cubs news updates and banter. Cup of Cubby Blue is not going anywhere. We will be part of that show on that network. We will also do some pre and post game content. Um, I'm looking forward to putting together some looks around the NL Central that we're going to call No Lie Enemy, just like Al calls them over at the BCB site. You can still find us, by the way, at BCB. That RSS will continue to be hosted on Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us in a couple of other places too. Um, we're gonna we're gonna find some other outlets that are willing to host our RSS and subscribe to the show. That's how we let people know that you are interested in this content, and we are looking forward to working with all of the amazing former SB Nation podcasts who have joined the Fan First Sports Network. Uh, we have some new talent joining us there as well. So we hope you'll check it out. We've got some incredible content planned for you for opening day. If you are looking for some alternate um, audio to accompany your opening day experience, you will want to be signed up for all of the Fans First Sports Network podcasts because we are going to have a ton of baseball content for you on opening day from some really great voices um, all over, uh, from all over the national teams. So it'll be great. Well, and opening day, speaking of opening day, Bleacher Bum Band post-game Output Lounge, right on Clark Street, free show, Cubs rock. If you're going to the game, you know where to go afterwards. It's the party of the century, Output, Wrigleyville. Come eat wings, drink beer, and watch the Bleacher Bums rock. And they have mango White Claws, so there's mango seltzer at Output. So if you like the mango seltzers and you can't get them at Wrigley anymore, you can get them at Output Lounge. Danny, this was a really fun episode. Really excited uh, to kick off all of our Cubs coverage on this new network. And until next time, y'all. 